Welcome to another episode of Dying for Midnight, DFM. Be mindful of your surroundings while tuning in. There might be a fellow listener, and they're a lot closer than you think. Hey there, this is Case. This is Carrie. Welcome back to episode 48 of the Dying for Midnight podcast, or what we like to call XOXOXO. No. And not Axel. I'm not naming the episode Axel, Carrie. Why not? Be an Axel. No. (laughs) We're chatting about. Perhaps you probably guessed that already just by that back and forth. The ultimate Canadian tax shelter film and arguably one of the best slasher films ever made. Do Carrie and I consider this one to be the best slasher film ever? And listen, this one comes out in perhaps the ultimate year in horror, 1981. And 2023 was no slouch and 2024 is starting to look promising too. This week's film stands tall against the likes of an American werewolf in London. The Howling, Halloween 2, Friday the 13th Part 2, The Prowler, Madman, The Burning, and the list just keeps going on and on. Uh, You guessed it, guys. We are talking the masked mining, moosehead boozing, pickaxe slashing, My Bloody Valentine, with some neat notes of relationship drama that actually, for once, works. And by the way, there's another slasher out there that's just so goofy and zany that also deals with relationship issues, just not quite as well as My Bloody Valentine, called Girls' Night Out. And all you need to know, if you're not familiar, is the killer is dressed as the school's teddy bear mascot with razor-sharp blades. Um, Doesn't play it straight one bit, but that one grows on me. Anyways, I digress. Stick around this episode because we're going to do a little mini-review in Segment 2 Horror Etc. on the 2009 my bloody valentine remake and chat about the sequels that never came to be and perhaps one direct sequel we may still get someday question mark big question mark so dear listener where does valentine's day land for you do you love it do you leave it you indifferent about it what's your favorite part of the day carrie how about you what do you like about valentine's day i always like getting like little small gifts just little you know, candy or earrings. My parents used to always get me little things here or there, but it it was never a huge, huge holiday for me. Like it just, I like it. I don't love it. It just feels like pre-Easter. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's pre-Easter. It's like this time I'm not getting egg-shaped chocolates. I'm getting a heart-shaped chocolate. And it's not in a basket. It's in this little white box that just sits on the countertop waiting for you. In between Christmas and birthdays and Easter, yeah. I Listen, I I don't mind it. I've kind of been up and down on Valentine's Day over the years. Hey, dear whorehound, it's a great excuse to watch this week's movie. Uh, We've kicked off season two, not just with V-Day, but Groundhog's Day. And this is also... The time you're listening to this, the post-Super Bowl hangover week, too. And uh, before you know it, we're talking St. Patrick's Day and probably Warwick Davis this season. Uh, now, I wonder how many Swifties 
we have listening and how, how many are in our audience uh do you have a favorite kelsey or andy reed moment from the big game carrier even the usher moment I is mean, it the meme where yeah. Kelsey's bumping yes. Andy, Andy Reid yeah. him over and Andy Reid covered his ass by saying, oh, I was off balance. I, I love Andy Reid. I love Andy. Well, hey, listen, we're Steelers fans, so I don't have a lot of room to talk at whatever it is. Yeah, it's working for them. Anyways, back to horror. Things have gotten. Well, let me just let me just stay on this Taylor Swift thing. Uh, am I getting underneath the skin of you, dear listener? Is Taylor Swift a psyop? <laughs> Things have gotten too intense with the Taylor Swift hater love. And I just feel saturated for better or worse. I'm not going to deny that I got caught up in the Taylor Swift mania. You did more than me. I, and I wish I had the energy to play the Taylor Swift drinking game. I don't think I would have ever made it past the pregame show. Next week, by the way, we're talking one more Canadian film and another slasher at that. Only next time we're talking a group of actresses probably can guess what that is by that little clue now guys moving right along to movie morsels let's take a look at 1981's my bloody valentine trailer and carrie i absolutely love this film love it bad time this time of year how many times is he gonna tell this story don't let him tell it i love fairy tales this ain't no fairy tale little girl if you don't take it seriously you're a fool (laughs) the first valentine's dance in 20 years has to be something special You gotta get a lot of exercise if you're gonna grapple with Gretchen. Oh yeah? Well, I got a Valentine for her that she's never gonna forget. <laughs> right to the heart, huh? In this town on Valentine's Day, everybody loses their heart. Roses are red, violets are blue. One is dead, and so are you. It can't be happening again. No! It can't be happening again. What's going on over in Valentine Bluffs? It looks like Harry Warden's back in town. It happened once. It happened twice. Cancel the dance or it'll happen twice. That trailer hits, and it hits hard. I love the old Paramount logos here and in the F-13 trailers. 
Carrie, what are you thinking about that trailer? It, it definitely does hit hard. I mean, it really makes you feel for the characters. You get to see a lot of what's in the movie, and it still makes you want to watch it. Like, you're still intrigued. <clears throat> There's not much else to be said other than, you, even though, let's say you haven't watched the movie yet, this trailer in like two minutes introduces a ton of characters, and it makes you want to watch it. It did it did the job. Um, and there's a lot of movies that once you see it and you fall in love with it, even if you don't have time to watch the movie, I find myself going back on YouTube all the time to watch trailers like this one. Um, much has been said about My Bloody Valentine. But first, uh, before we dive into cast or creators or anything like that, let's just talk about the very simple yet effective My Bloody Valentine uh, poster and tagline. It's just like what a lot of horror movies did back in the day. They've got the black poster with the white text, and the imagery speaks for itself here. In this one, we've got our masked miner, and the tagline reads, there's more than one way to lose your heart. And it's simple. It's effective. If you look really closely... Karen, you remember on the old Valentine's heart-shaped boxes where they had like the white lace all around it? Yeah. They actually used that in the font. I see that. That was very, very unique. subtle touch. Yeah. I even remember making those like at like that snowflakes out of that material for school too and everything like that. Yeah. That I have never heard of such a thing. Yeah. So is there a place where you can actually buy the white lace from Valentine's boxes somewhere? I'm sure. Did you you cut them off the Valentine's box and repurpose them? (laughs) No, I was not. I was going to say, like, you're really hurting if you got to repurpose the Valentine's boxes. (laughs) No, no, I'm talking about... Let me rephrase that. You would be very thrifty. No, crafts that teachers used to have us do. I mean, they supplied the supplies and we just did it for an activity. I, Valentine's Day falls into one of those holidays that like some of the teachers decorated, some of them did not. Some of them did St. Patrick's Day, some of them did not. Hell, back in the day, my school even decorated for Easter, which they will not do today. Oh my God. We used to have the Easter bunny come and hop at school. Uh, 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 at the hop. <laughs> did you dance with the Easter bunny? No. I don't know why I just broke into that. And they I'm so had sorry. they had um, footprints, like bunny footprints in the, all the classrooms, including all the way up to sixth grade. Yeah. Well, you <laughs> want to know what happened before this episode? You almost came down and you almost had different kind of footprints, like the kind that you get when your dog decides to take a dump and you accidentally step in it. Even though you've taken her out several times today. You owe my pumpkin has been on a tear lately. It's the uh, weather. The cold February weather. The groundhog weather. The Super Bowl weather. The bloody Valentine weather. Um, so, moving right along. I Look, there's ones that have been redone for special edition Blu-rays and limited edition this and slipcover that. But th- this is the one. My only knock on the poster is that the blood looks mm-hmm. like Play-Doh. It does. <laughs> it doesn't look like a liquid. It looks like a solid. It, maybe it. Uh, no, it no, doesn't work for me. No, <laughs> you you could stretch it by saying it looks coagulated, but not really. Yeah, I was not really. Clotted up or whatever. Yeah. But we're just gonna move right along because the poster 
just like the trailer hits it hits hard it's effective what else can we say let's move right along to alternate taglines carrie you go first what have you created for this valentine's day tagline come party this valentine's day just stay clear of the minds i like it it's simple it's effective mine is going to be this film will tug on your heart and then rip it apart. I like that one. You did good. Thank you, sweetheart. My Valentine. My forever Valentine. <laughs> I said <laughs> the it. The discussions. <laughs> I knew it. You fit it in somewhere. The discussions that we have while we're doing our normie jobs of like, what's your tagline going to be? You can't do that. Why? Why not? Why can't I just sit? And uh-huh. yeah, this is where like the control part of me comes out. <laughs> like, really? That's your tagline? What uh-huh. are you talking about? Two control freaks. Yeah. Well, at least with the episode guide, maybe a little bit. <clears throat> um, meanwhile, there's other parts of our life where we probably wish we had a little more <laughs> control. Um, and don't make me break out in the Laura Brennigan's song now anyways if you get that reference you're getting old just like us um whoa male wolf uh male wolf what is this note um this is a very weird box what do you mean there's no name on this note carrie i'm i'm a little creeped out what does the note say the chiefs are red the 49ers are blue the Maxine trailer is dead, and so are you. <laughs> Somebody, okay. Somebody's got a Super Bowl uh, sense of humor. Uh, whoever you are that wrote us this note, one, you're creeping me out, but two, I can equally appreciate the fact that you, like us, were also looking for that T-West Maxine trailer, and it never happened. And honestly, why did we think it was going to happen during a family Super Bowl event when it's about a woman in the porn industry? So if, for you, real. if you were looking for it, you had to dig really deep if you were going to find that or at least just go on YouTube. But uh, Male Wolf, just kind of give me fair warning next time you get a note like this. I'm, I'm a little creeped out. Uh, now, Carrie, let's move right along to your spoiler warning. Welcome to the DFM Spoilers Incline. If you haven't watched this week's film or aren't a spoiler hound, you may want to skip this ride. For everyone else, welcome aboard. Please take a seat. Reminder to passengers, as we descend, we ask that you not feed the ghouls or hounds of hell. Enjoy the nightmarish landscape by moonlight as we descend 6,666 eons of brimstone. You now... Have arrived at your final destination. Spoilers ahead. You were warned. For more information on what an incline is, Google that shit. Now comes DFM's very own Jake the Midnight Traveler. No, he's an emotional support male. Case and carry. From the heart comes a warning filled with bloody good cheer. Remember what happened as the 14th draws near. Good evening, all my bloody buddies of butchery. It's that time again for another letter from me, Jake, the midnight traveler for all of you lovers and lonely hearts, and those of you still on the hunt. Yes, once again, it's 
that time of year when we pit the romantics against the cynics and spend a lot of money on shit that we probably don't really need in the name of some winged prick with a bow and arrow, while those running solo just get pissed off beyond belief and rant to everyone and anyone about how much it all sucks. And me? Well, I've been on both sides of this fight and have the stories to go with it. Yep, Valentine's Day is when the lines are drawn and the opposing sides fight it out. Well, with all this passion and the increased appearance of colors that strongly resemble blood, you'd think there would be a lot of horror films surrounding this, right? Well, I took a look and there really ain't much out there. Strange, I know, right? But when this holiday comes up, there is always one movie that really shines out like a light on a miner's helmet at the end of a long, dark shaft. Wow. Okay, that one got away from me. (laughs) Anywho, for me, there is at least one classic film that really throws all this together in a nice 90 or so minute package that is both familiar and unique and comes straight from the heart. The 1981 Canadian classic, My Bloody Valentine. This one goes back a long way with me. As previous stated, I've been on both sides of the Valentine Wars, and throughout high school I was pretty firmly on the lonely side, so many nights I would wander the last remaining video stores along McKnight Road, then try to find something new, bloody, and fun. Well, the Hollywood video installed on the remains of an old Ponderosa steakhouse, did have a decent selection of flicks, and this one, I think, was one of the first, if not the very first film that I rented there around the turn of the 21st century. The image of the miner's helmet-slash-mask combo dripping with blood called out to me, and before I knew it, I had it in my hands as I walked up to pay the clerk. Years later... (laughs) nearly 10, I was finally on the other side of things, and someone had the gall to remake this classic, and my new girlfriend wanted to check it out. Being the staunch weirdo that I was, slash still am, I insisted that we see the original, so I bought her a copy and put it in a heart-shaped box. She loved it. I loved her. Too bad it didn't last. Cut to nearly another decade later, and I'm with The One. And she's an even bigger horror fan than the last one. But strangely, she hates slasher films. I know, right? (laughs) To me, this presented a problem. There was a lot that she was going to miss out on. But one day, she came home and was talking about this film. It was she that brought Shudder to my attention in the fall of 2016, and she mentioned this film in particular. I had to break it to her that, a few unique characteristics aside, this was a slasher film of the highest order from the golden age of the late 70s to the mid-80s. And right there, I hit upon a run of several horror films that came out of the Great White North that she might also like. And she did. And through all of this, we grew even closer. So, 
I got me a history with this one for sure, and I got a lot to recommend here too. As stated before, this is a standard whodunit slasher on one level. You have a varied gallery of victims, a disturbing backstory that sets the new story in motion, and a killer with some clever ideas on how to take down the amorous 20-somethings that populate most of the cast. But where the differences step in is what really gets this thing off the ground. We've seen slashers in schools, neighborhoods, various urban settings, but this is one of the very few, if frankly not the only one, that takes place inside an active coal mine. Right there, this film is set apart from the rest, and the production used this to their advantage beautifully. The dark, dank shadows that the shafts cast adds such a unique element to the film. And even the top side of the mine is unique when it comes to the first few kills. The cast is mainly Canadian unknowns, except for the late, great Keith Knight as Hollis. But unknowns or not, they all hold their own and come off as sympathetic without leaning too much into caricature territory. Sadly, this film is bereft of nudity, which to me is the only drawback here, but even then I think that would just be me being nitpicky. The twists and turns in the script are solid as well, and the reveal of the killer by the film's end is believable and genuinely creepy. The kills also benefit from the unusual setting of the film, as mining equipment takes the place of traditional axes, knives, and other implements and tools of destruction. In other words, this little gem was mined and needs more attention. It did get a little bit more of that when the remake came out in 2009, much to my chagrin, and to this day I have yet to see it. But word got back to me that it was shot around my hometown and in places that I've actually been. Per Wikipedia, the production spent 13 days filming scenes in the Tor Ed Mines in the Pittsburgh suburb of Tarentum, where I visited during a fifth grade field trip, a mine that has now been out of operation since the 1960s, but now operates as a museum. They also use the inside of Valence Diner in Ross Township. That place is within walking distance of my childhood home, for goodness sakes. And a house on Holton Road in Oakmont, the suburb of Pittsburgh was also used as a location. Hell, I even had relatives in Catanning for most of my young life, and I met a couple of crazy kids just one county over there when I went to college later on. I don't know. Maybe time has softened me to such things, so maybe I will succumb to the charms of nudity and Tom Atkins and take in the remake. But even then... I will always champion the original as a stunning piece of horror and one of the larger jewels in the crown of Canadian tech shelter cinema. So now, I guess I'll take my leave and say goodnight to all of you young lovers and lonely hearts out there. Remember to cherish your partner if you're lucky to have one, but also value your freedom if you don't have someone. Because always remember, you too could someday be someone's bloody valentine. See you next midnight, Jake.
Jake always does an awesome job giving us the overview of the movie and sounds like he loves this one as much as we do. There is a lot of history to this film, a lot of history to Canadian tax shelter films. And uh, Jake had mentioned to me where the remake is filmed is actually not too far from where he grew up. So um, Jake, appreciate you, man. And uh, hope you have a not so bloody Valentine. Um, The one thing that I wanted to mention about creator cast and character notables um, was if you get a chance, dear listener, go to a um, February 11th, 2022, so a little over two years ago, an article by Jason Jenkins from Bloody Disgusting. Um, George Mahalka reveals the unmade sequels. Definitely check that out. Um, I'm not going to read it um, paragraph by paragraph here, uh, but we've got some characters in here where like Sarah is now married um to so and so i don't want to well no we already did the spoiler yeah. so sarah is now married to tj she runs a hardware store tj suffering from ptsd um there is some other facts that i could go over in detail but basically uh one of the titles that has not happened but could would be valentine wakes okay mm. and yes wakes as in like an irish yes wake. um they mentioned the creator mentioned in this bloody disgusting article. Hopefully, given the right circumstances, um, <clears throat> I want to be able to somehow give people the sequel that they deserve. I'm paraphrasing, but anyway, so check that article out if you are a huge My Bloody Valentine fan and are wondering what some of the creators have been thinking over the years. I highly recommend that article. Um, now, <clears throat> the guy that plays Axel in this movie, Neil F. Fleck. Aflac <clears throat> was a cop in another Canadian tax shelter horror film called Visiting Hours uh, Hospital Slasher with Michael Ironside. Um, Canadians made a lot of hospital movies. Uh, and uh, he's actually was a, a director and animation timer on The Simpsons and The Family Guy. Interesting. As a matter of fact. Um, now, here's a character. Our police chief... Chief Frank, played by Don Franks. Uh, is he a red herring just from his striking face alone? I think so. I mean, he's really got a piercing look to him. I'm, I mean, if you think about it and you think about the more recent slashers like Scream. How about they, Thanksgiving? Yeah, they always went back to the sheriffs and showing those boots. That was always a common theme. Um, just the way he looks, I I get, definitely get Prowler and Thanksgiving vibes, if you know what I mean, people. Uh, anyways, he was in Johnny Mnemonic, La Femme Nikita series, was on some early episodes of Mission Impossible, did some Broadway work. Uh, we've also got Cynthia Dale who played Patty. She was in Moonstruck. I thought you'd like to know that, Carrie. Yeah. Um, she looked familiar. And the lovable voice of reason are one of our favorite characters, Hollis. The heavier set guy with the glasses, played by Keith Knight. He was in Meatballs, class of 1984, of known origin, and voiced the White Rabbit in Care Bear's Adventure in Wonderland. Hmm. For you Care Bear fans out there, Care Bear 2210. <laughs> I, I, listen, I don't know if I saw that one. Uh, Sarah, played by Lori Hollier, did a ton of TV and um, episodes and movies. Paul Kelman played our leading man, TJ. Um, was the stepdad in Black Roses, that rock and roll horror flick. Um, quite the cast of My Bloody Valentine, even if they're not immediately recognizable names. They Listen, very well-acted film. Even if you say, I have no clue who these people are, 
Um, I'm not familiar with Canadian actors, stage actors, TV actors at all. Uh, this is a top shelf film. Um, Even the smaller unknown characters really make you feel for them. So you want to talk about all the way around excellent casting. Totally agree. Um, guys, it's actually time for intermission already. Stick around. Wait, what? What is this? The male wolf is howling twice in one episode, Gary. Another note? Is this some sort of joke? Uh, I mean, okay, I'll, I'll read it this time. Give it to me. It happened once. It happened twice. What? Stop recording this episode or it'll happen thrice. What, what do you mean thrice? Carrie, do you need to go check on our kids? Let me let me go see. This is really bizarre. Mail wolf, hold all messages. June night in 1980, Friday, the 13th, 12 of her friends were murdered. Why should Friday the 13th, 1981, be any different? Friday, the 13th, part two. The body count continues. 14.
train. Everybody take off your mask. Hey, 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 take it easy, man. What are you doing? Oh, my God. Stay with your date. I don't want to get back on that track. Nobody does. Help! Please! Nice day. Help! You'll die. This temperature, you'll die. You'll die. You'll die. Come on, no. Come on. the students aboard, it's going to be the one party to end them all. They're always walking out of my parties, but this time, you can't. Do you believe in magic? big college party. It's a joke. Goddamn practical joke. The scream in the night isn't the train. It's the terror at your throat. Terror train. I don't want to get back. Okay, guys. Whew. Uh, somebody's trying to creep us out. Anyways. We're all good. We are fine. <laughs> we are back for segment two, horror, et cetera. Um, Carrie, <laughs> while you were checking on the kids, uh, we were listening to that first trailer that actually I'm responsible for, and that would be none other than another pickaxe slasher. That would be Jason or Hillbilly Jason or The Prowler as a lot of no not the prowler movie he was known as the prowler anyways <clears throat> friday the 13th part two i'm responsible for that one it goes toe-to-toe with my bloody valentine however and you did this research for me my bloody valentine did the pickaxe killing a few months before friday the 13th part two did so you know you got to give credit where credit's due here Carrie, you are responsible for Jamie Lee Curtis and <laughs> David Copperfield in uh, Terror Train. Yep. Who actually has our lovable Ben Johnson, who was in the town that dreaded sundown um, as the conductor. Um, by the way, <clears throat> everybody says, oh, yeah, the New Year's Eve movie with Jamie Lee Curtis. You know what's really unique and cool? And I know they, they had this mindset whenever they made My Bloody Valentine. I really love the fact that the killer wears multiple masks in oh, yeah. train. Yeah. I absolutely love that. Um, the other thing that I want to mention about Terror Train, um, it's got an Emmanuel in Space alum <laughs> in it. And if you get that reference, well, then 
you watch things that you shouldn't have whenever you're growing up. Uh, moving right along. It's also another tax shelter. Aha. Uh-huh. Good job, Carrie. See? I'm doing my research. I don't know why. I think it's Jamie Lee Curtis and David Copperfield throw me off from thinking that this is a tax shelter film. And <clears throat> probably Ben Johnson's fault, too. Well, anyways, moving right along to what the hell moment. What the hell? What the hell? What the hell is that? Ah, <laughs> uh, what the hell? What the hell, goddamn son of a bitch? And if you know which one that is, that's from Terminator. Um, Carrie, thoughts? What is your favorite what the hell moment from Bob so Valentine? For me, it's the guy whose face was boiled in the hot dog water. And then he's in the freezer and no one notices. It just seems just too unbelievable. Am I the only guy that thinks of Limp Biscuit every time somebody says hot dog flavored water? <laughs> really? Yeah. Apparently I didn't pay attention enough. That's the, well, I think it's like, I don't, I don't listen, I don't want to get in a Limp Biscuit. Yeah. Um, Let's not. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to get an STD just talking about them. Uh, I'm going to have to go with, I keep coming back to characters for this segment obviously um any howard landers moment he's the goof at the party the goof at the bar goofy ass pranks added in by howard landers he epitomizes the crazy fellow blue collar worker stereotype feels like every horror movie or teen drama set in the industrial town in the 80s has this character howard is on one end of the goofy blue collar worker 80s spectrum bosco from all the right moves uh, is on the other jerky end of the spectrum. And if you know the actor who plays Bosco in All the Right Moves, he's also one of the SWAT guys in Dawn of the Dead's. That's right, kill him, kill the bastards. That's Bosco. Um, yeah, like Tom Cruise says, you tell Bosco. I forget what he says. But anyways, you know what kind of character type I'm talking about. Uh, again, we need the xylophone back here. I know, we need to we need to get it <laughs> back from zombie toots. Going on a Bosco rant. Anyways, favorite death or effect uh, I'm going to ding, go. Ding, ding, ding. There we go. What? <laughs> I just manually did it. That sounds like a like a bell, like I got an answer correct. <laughs> Not that I'm getting off track. So you're telling me I can like just completely go off the rails right now? No. Okay, I'll try not to. Favorite death or effect, as I started saying before that sound that you just made. <laughs> I'm going to have to go with Miss Mabel's crispy laundromat death. She gets impaled and then she gets cooked at the laundromat and then our red herring chief finds her unfortunately mm. I, I i felt for mabel all she wanted to do was have a nice valentine's party it's been 20 years and didn't she have a crush on the chief she did yeah and so she thought oh this is from the chief yeah yeah that was the start of the red herring with the chief until obviously he found her um Carrie, what about you? What's your favorite? So mine is Sylvia. She's impaled on the shower with it coming out of her mouth. I mean, it's just gnarly. Yeah, I like that one too. Um, I'm going to have to give a shout out to Hollis's death with the nail gun. He gets it once in the temple and then once in the front of the skull while his woman sees him starting to fade. And you get it from his perspective. Things are starting to go blurry as he passes yep. on poor hollis uh he was a sweet man he was can we talk for a second about just much has been said about this movie but the 
the atmosphere of the small town um where it was shot in nova scotia yeah uh this is one of those movie sets that i would think would be really cool to go visit um there's something about these early movies that has that smeared on the lens vaseline look and this has it and i'm i'm going to add the atmosphere on top of the great acting on top of the great kills and the fact that it's a holiday slasher and the fact they did it on such a small amount and it made pretty good amount of money it's probably done better on home video dvd market oh i'm sure um but i gotta bring all this up because for the first time in a long time i'm gonna give my bloody valentine a five out of five and Carrie, would you like to let the dear listener know what rating you're giving this one? I'm also giving this a five out of five. A perfect five. We've when, only done that one other time. When I saw this movie, I thought oh, it just blew me away that with everything. The storyline, the characters, the kills. I mean, everything. It just blew me away. Like, And I'm just going to be honest. I I saw the remake before I saw this. Yeah. So I really enjoy the remake movie. So I I had really high expectations going in seeing this movie. And I'm like, it just, it blew every single one of them away. And you know what, too? Me just being transparent. Whenever you first, I saw this, I don't know. I think I was in my 20s the first time I saw this. It was at least 15 years ago. Um and I actually remember telling you we were only married for a couple of years. And I had said, um, I really want to go see this. I've never seen the original, but this looks great. And I could not get you to go see it in the theater. Because it was 3D. And that was you know, my they only had, reason. They had it in 2D. They had it in 2D. But anyways, I was like, fine. You know what? If I can't go see it in the theater with you, I'm going to rent this thing. So I remember renting it, loved it, never really came back to it for a while. But when you this movie starts off, the whole like party scene and bar scene, it does have like a little bit of a goofy start. But after multiple viewings, it just makes you realize that these characters were like just the hardworking people, um, young couples that were blowing, hardworking, blowing off steam. What else is there to do? You and I both grew up in a small town. Yeah. What else is there to do after you're done working? We're gonna go have a few drinks. Yeah, you're gonna you're gonna let the day go and have a good time. And or pull goofy pranks, which yeah. I can relate to. But anyways, um, yeah, guys, five out of five flamethrowers for us. We've only done this one with one other movie last season in season one where we gave the omen a, a perfect rating and um, we just came to the score now. So, Hey, that, that makes two movies in total. They get a five out of five. It's about as perfect as a movie as you can get for a horror slasher. It, it's up there. Um, now, Carrie, given this information that we give it a perfect rating, does it land on your top five horror movies? Not just slasher, Horror movies of 1981, because there is a ton. It does. 
All right. It really does. I mean, this one I think is kind of skyrocketed for you recently, yeah, right? It, yeah. Okay, so start us off. What's your number okay. five? So number five, and keep in mind, I love this movie. It's mm-hmm. it's my favorite of the series. Yep. It really is. Friday the Thirteenth Part Two. Love it. Uh, I just I love the storyline. I love the characters. I can identify with that movie more than the others. I don't want to scare anyone. I want to give it to you straight about Jason. I love it. So number four for me. Again, another one I really love. Amazing Grace. I won't finish that line. Go ahead. Halloween 2. <laughs> I love that it takes place in the hospital the pretty much the entire night, and it's uh, the confinement aspect. It's a darker it, movie. It, it is a darker, one. yeah. It's more nihilistic. Yeah. and I, I love the bleakness of it. Again, it's my favorite of that series. Dude. More on Halloween, too, in a little yeah. bit. What's number three? Okay. Number three, American Werewolf in London. God damn it. For Please so many me, reasons. <laughs> so many reasons. The the music choice, the story, uh, the comedic elements uh, in the movie theater. I mean, all the the effects and then this the <laughs> ending. Ugh. I didn't mean to call you a meatloaf, Jack. <laughs> I'm sorry. Yes. Does he apologize? Yeah. Are you sure? I think. <laughs> okay. If no. I'm remembering. I and, think he does. And what's number two? Okay. My Bloody Valentine, oh, the original. Yeah. That high up for you. That high up. Okay. Yeah. So damn. Yeah. Well, listen, I'm already looking at what your number one is, and I should have known. <laughs> is it a surprise? <laughs> Groovy. The Evil Dead. I love it. And that's... The the original is your favorite. Is it your favorite in the franchise? Or it's not my favorite in the franchise. Your favorite from that franchise yeah. for this list. For this list, yeah. Well, it well, has to be because no other one. Yeah, made in 1981. I don't know year. why I asked that. It's been a long day. <laughs> <clears throat> um, Any honorable mentions, Carrie? Um, I mean, I really don't feel like it at this point. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just going to be honest. Fuck you guys, I'm done. <laughs> I'm just really done at this point. Oh, <clears throat> look, and I swear to you, people, when we're we're not even drinking, okay? That's and a sad done. part. <laughs> it's been a long day. It's only Monday at the time of this recording. Um, it does, yeah. I mean, you're asking me, does it land on my list? Yeah, it it, it absolutely does, and um, probably not as high on my list as, as it is for you. Um, number five, Jake, you're going to love this. The howling, uh, number four. Yes. My bloody Valentine. Number three, Halloween two. And let me say this. It's the best Loomis out of all the Loomises. Yeah. Uh, not much else needs to be said. It's, it's my favorite Halloween film. Uh, an American werewolf in London. You've said it all, Carrie. Number one, not even my bloody Valentine can dethrone this for me. And yes, I know I scored this a four and a half and not a five. Yet I'm still ranking it above my bloody Valentine. But I'm taking that in the context of the franchise, of the of the entirety, <clears throat> where this fits, the fact that it's a continuation. I love the opening in this movie. Who doesn't love the campfire story? 
who doesn't love Sackhead Jason. Um, it's just arguably one of my favorite horror films ever, if not the favorite for me. There is too many to name. Wolfen, The Prowler, Hell Knight, Madman, The Burning, Dark Knight of the Scarecrow, The Monster Club, Ghost Story, Boogans, yes, I said Boogans, Strange Behavior, and I just won't be able to stop, and about five dozen other horror movies just to come out in 1981. 1981 has an embarrassment of riches. Embarrassment. That's how many freaking movies came out that year. So now, guys, <clears throat> it is time, excuse me, for the random or not-so-random topic of the week, and we are going with the not-so-random mini-review of the 09 My Bloody Valentine remake, and let me start off this last portion of our episode with this little tidbit. Joe Layden of Variety, speaking about the 09 remake, said, Director and co-editor Patrick Lussier, who was a guy that collaborated with uh, excuse me, Wes Craven, by the way, um... Milked the 3D gimmick for all it's worth. Totally agree. Everything from tree branches, gun barrels, all different types of guns, guns that Sir Tom Atkins is wielding, uh, to the, the pickaxe that we all know and love from the original is back again. There's even a great shovel scene to open up this movie. Um, body parts flying. There is one hell of a, like a three or four minute extended fully nude chase scene in this remake. Okay. So it gets the nakedness, uh, score is really high, makes the effective use, uh, of the depth of field vision illusion. Um, listen, the 3d thing for me in this movie, Carrie, the long shots of the cavern and the depth. It's not just the stuff that flies out at you. But the depth in this film worked. I agree with Joe Leiden of Variety, who said that it did it better than, pardon me, Friday the 13th 3D. Um, yes, as he puts it, an unabashedly retro work, reveling in the cliches and the conventions of the slasher horror picks that proliferated in the early 80s. Uh, <clears throat> I agree with him. Uh, and it didn't make my eyes bug out. The pink and green glasses that have the old Sussex promo on them gave the film a somewhat washed out black and white and white effect. Excuse me. Um, I still prefer it the old fashioned 2d way. And if scream six taught us anything, Carrie, it's that we don't need to pay full price to see 3d ever again. No. It's pretty rare. And I'm going to say almost impossible to the, make it worth it. Full the, price for the us. only one I have to say that was really worth it. And it did add more depth was the Harry Potter. Yeah. Again, why I really enjoy this movie, the WB effect. It's got that look. 2009, it was the year of Supernatural. You have Jensen Ackles here, Jared Padalecki in the 09 F13 remake. Same year. Both of those remakes have a love for nostalgia. This version of Valentine is formulaic, but I think it's in the best way possible. You know exactly what you're getting. Keep them in mind, Carrie, that this is a time when mainstream horror audiences were burnt out on slashers. Scream was in the back half of their hiatus before the middling Scream 4 a couple years later. You had the Rob Zombie Halloween remakes. Not a great time for slasher fans, arguably. And um, during this time of horror, we're going for the gore porn. We're going for Hostile. We're going for Saw. Um, so for this to make like over 115 million worldwide and then make almost 20 million in DVD sales. Yeah. Um, look, we got so caught up in our note earlier, but the mail wolf, we forgot to mention in our, in our media guide, 
you can find the 3D DVD that you could watch in 3D or 2D at home for under $15. Yes, you can get the special edition Blu-ray um, for 35 bucks. You can just get the plain old My Bloody Valentine special edition that has the uncut scenes. No 3D for 10 bucks. So this is one of those remakes that you want to have it alongside the original in your collection. You want to be able to see the uncut version. Adds a little bit, but it's worth it. But again, why else do I love it? Sir Tom Atkins. Um, filmed in Western Pennsylvania, containing at the Torred Mines in Tarantunum, PA, with Pittsburgh's own Tom Atkins. Hell, and shout out to the Cadet Family Eatery on 422. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I, I, I know that place very well. Gary. It, it was a meeting point where, like, my cousin who lived in Butler. We, I used to go visit her for a week, and my parents would ac- actually meet my aunt and uncle there. Inside the mines. <laughs> Inside the mines. <laughs> I know. I'm just messing with you. No, at the cadet. At the cadet. Yeah. 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 Hey, if you ever stop at the cadet on 422, if you find yourself around Catanning, get the poor boy sandwich. And no, that's not a plug. I swear to you. Just get it. Um, my favorite was grilled cheese. So no. <laughs> Seriously? That's so hella lame. I was a kid. <laughs> Kid, a kid. We're talking like I was twenty six, years. I was seven, twenty eight. years. Eight months removed from twenty one is more <laughs> like it. No, but seriously, now that I'm done gushing about the remake and the Catanning filming locations, the Torad Mine, Tarentum, what do you love about? Because I'm gonna shut up. What do you love about the remake? Well, one of the reasons you said. I mean, Jensen Ackles and Jared Padalecki. I mean, well. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean. You mean you're hoping that Jared Padalecki's in no, this film? Like, listen, like, listen, listen. Good looking. Okay. All right. Awesome. I like the storyline. I like you have like the little love triangle aspect. You get that feeling, like you get in the original. Only I didn't see the original before this, but it's very similar. Um, very well done. I I also enjoyed uh. At the time, uh, you had um, Sarah's husband, who was also in, um, what's that, Dawson's Creek. Yeah, he played on Dawson's Creek. <laughs> so, you have like this soap opera aspect You talk about this the movie. guy who played Jack, the gay yeah. character? Yeah, yeah. Uh, what was that? Oh, the was it the Forsaken, the Vampire Road Trip movie? Yeah, that was good too. Yeah, he was great in that. He was and the great. guy, the guy from that thing you do. Yeah, like the main who is like the Jerry Dandridge light. Yeah, <laughs> I know. I actually liked that guy. L- listen, both of those guys. Uh, yeah, I enjoy, I enjoy the. I mean, you have that. I did feel that the women were a little weak yeah. in the remake. That's where like I it's wish science. <laughs> no, I on, wish that there on, was come some. On, come on, Ron Burgundy. They, they could have found some better uh, actresses to play in some of those roles. It, that I, I feel like where you yeah. could have pulled a different name. This is where it's a WB level. This is what I'm trying to say. Like, yes, you've got some very established horror actors like Atkins in this, but um, what would you score this out of five? Oh, easily four. Yeah, I like you know, it that much. I'm in agreement again. I, I would score it four out of five, too. I mean, yeah, I I really enjoyed it. The deaths are really well done again. They it are. does not go light on gore. Um, 
it, it, I will tell you this. It does make you guess a lot. Um, not as much as the original. I will say that because the original movie, it, it kept me guessing till the very end to yeah. the big reveal. So with that said, you do kind of get a hint faster in the remake of who, who it possibly could be. You do get that hint faster. Yeah. Well, and the, the roles are reversed a little bit in the remake. Uh, the Axel and the TJ characters are mm-hmm. reversed in yep. terms of how things play out. Yeah. Um, closing comment for me on this would be in March 2020, there was a bloody disgusting interview um, <clears throat> where the writer Todd Farmer revealed that he and Lucy actually had a sequel idea to the remake. Um, after it received mixed reviews, uh, Lionsgate lost interest. To me, that's a loss on them. I think Lucy was supposed to be working on Scream 7, I believe. Um, <clears throat> they're saying that their sequel would have been more psychological, would have brought back some of the um, the survivors, and that they were going to kill off some of the survivors in the sequel, which that's you'd have, par you'd for have the course. To, yeah. Par for the course. Uh, that's it for this week, guys. Next week, we are going to be talking about a 1983 slasher only this time, like I said earlier, with actresses and some ice skating. What else? Curtains. Curtains for you. Carrie, do you like curtains? Hey, you got to listen in next week to find out. Ah, That about does it for me, Carrie. I am already getting chocolate out and it's not even Easter yet. What do you think about me getting a little heart tattoo right here? You sure that's a good idea? <laughs>